0: natural physics is a concept astrophysicist Leroy Larry developed that explains in down-to-earth scenarios how the principles of physics could have come about from observing nature each episode begins with a scenario followed by an example to illustrate the application of these principles in futuristic research at the frontiers of science such as Leroy's astrophysics doctoral research at CINESPA. Center for Space Research and then concludes with an exploration of how these same principles could have very well been used by ancient cultures and civilizations. Mathematics is naturally encountered and incorporated as the exciting and fun tool of science that it is. Science is the window into our amazing world of nature and mathematics is the tool to open that window natural physics encompasses current futuristic and ancient physics and ties them together by the principles of physics that are common threads running throughout each
1: greetings i'm Leroy larry and welcome to natural physics live from costa rica as we continue rocking and rolling with the spheres. I hope everyone listening and viewing, I hope all is well and safe with you and your families. Um, I would like to start this show with a video that Mariella Bonilla, an original member of the Fat Pack, right, that she made for us. Please enjoy.
2: Hello Natural Physics, I'm so happy to be here with you, I'm sorry I can't be live, I'm so sorry, but I'm so happy because we are in Season 2, Episode 3, yes, well, today I'm here at the beach, in Playa del Coco, let me show you, wow, it's a beautiful place, right? And I want to let you know here is where I usually come and do you remember that sadly there was a, an earthquake in Haiti last August 14th it was so sad but I want to let you know that even though the distance in August 13th, I came here to this same place with my son as we usually come and i was scared i have to let you know i'm going to be honest i was scared because the sea was weird it was angry if i can say it this way i didn't say nothing because i didn't want to to scare my son and then while we we, we came closer, my son said, what is going on here? The, the sea is weird. He thought the same as I did. And we stayed here for a while. And I said, I thought that probably it was, it, it was going to, to tell us something. The sea was trying to tell us something. And it was around 4 p.m. here in Costa Rica costa rica time and then the next day when we woke up eh, they announced it tsunami if you're seeing if you're watching this video and you know about tsunamis please investigate because i know the distance i know eh, that we are in different seas but this happened to me this happened to my son and i in August 13, a day before IT tsunami. And I think it's important to mention it in this in this program. I hope you do enjoy because we're talking always about nature, about physics, and please share and comment if you want. Thank you so much for being here. I hope to be able to be live with you soon. But if not, I will be with you at least in short videos like this one. Thank you so much. Keep enjoying natural physics and take a look again. Enjoy nature. I want to let you know that I've seen dolphins exactly on that, on that site. Goodbye.
1: Wow, thank you so much, Mariella. That that was beautiful. Yes. Serious. I mean, uh, hey, I, I had the opportunity to see dolphins when I was still living in Southern California at the beach, they're they're so magnificent. I mean, just the way they move, huh? Nature, just magnificent. Nothing nothing human made, technology, they're doing robots and all that, that are, hey, they move pretty good, but nothing substitutes for nature, right? Um, And Mariella, I can't wait until you're able to join us live. Looking forward to it. But seriously, yes, until such time, thank you so much for taking the, out of your time, out of your busy schedule to make these videos. Thank you so much, Mariella. Thank you very much. Um, and speaking of that tsunami, I had an experience. Uh, uh, Tears and I were still living in Southern California, and uh, there was a creek that went alongside of our building. Uh, our apartment building, Bologna Creek, and the Bologna Creek wetlands, oh, beautiful. Uh, Marina Del Rey, uh, you had blue herons, um, cranes, just so beautiful. And um, when the tsunami occurred in Japan in 2011, you could see weird looking waves coming down the canal because Bologna Creek opens up into the ocean, into the Pacific Ocean. So, and these waves, they weren't normal looking waves. I mean, they really were not. Uh, they didn't look like waves that were just normally in the ocean. They didn't look like waves that boats might make as they pass by the shore. These waves looked angry, like Mariella said, when she talked about an angry sea. The energy was not right. It wasn't good energy. You could, I mean, it was really creepy and not a cool creepy either. This was a bad creepy where from our balcony, we could see these waves just going down the canal like they weren't supposed to be there. It was just so weird. And then to realize that we were seeing the effects of something that had happened all the way across the world in Japan. Isn't that unreal? And and what's even more unreal, again, is the energy. Yes, there were waves coming from the ocean, nature, energy, but it was not a good energy. And and just to watch those waves coming from the ocean down the canal, oh, it was just so creepy. Okay. Um, Now, I'm gonna play a video and you know from season one, if I ever misspeak or have need to apologize for something, I will in a heartbeat. And last episode, I misspoke when I uh, called the name of the third actor in the Road to Morocco Roadshow. So I went and I looked it up. And yeah, I was I was close. There was uh, an act of the name that i called earlier in hollywood um i think from the 30s these roadshow movies are from the 40s and not only was there road to morocco but there was road to bali road to singapore hey you know how hollywood is when they find a recipe that works oh they run it into the ground don't they <laughs> and normally none of the sequels are as good as the original i i know there's some where hey predator two is pretty good right predator one was the bomb predator two is not bad not bad at all so there's not a whole lot of uh, oh star trek star trek one was good i think star trek two is even better and by the way wrath of khan right and by the way props to captain kirk huh everybody right captain kirk this morning went up into space right I filmed it, I have filmed clips that if we have time at the end, I'll show. But William Shatner went into the actual outer space. I mean, how cool is that, that he got to do that? Okay, so uh, again, uh, this I'm gonna show the clip, the trailer for Road to Morocco that I mentioned last episode. This is from 1942, so think about it, World War II is going on. So I guess these shows—I uh, know I joked about Hollywood regurgitating a, a, a recipe, but hey, think about it. These were these were escape, huh? From what was going on in the world, right? World War II was going on. Okay, um, Ray, if you would. Oh, so you'll see. The name of the actor is Dorothy Lamour, not not uh, um, the the name that I mentioned. Uh, heidi lamar uh no no uh, and they're both from different eras Hi, uh, heidi lamar is from the 1930s i think dorothy lemore is from the 1940s so okay so enjoy and you'll see where we got our uh, motivation for doing our little outtake okay ray if you would thank you I hope Dorothy Lemoore and Bean Crosby. Alright, now check this out. There we go again, Judy. We're off on the road to Morocco. This taxi is tough on the spine. It's the bus that leads me. Where are we going? While we're going, how can we be sure? I'll lay you eight to five, then we meet Dorothy Lemoore
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the road to Morocco.
1: Hang oh. on till the end of the line. I hear this country's where they do dance of seven men. We tell you more, but we would have the censor on our tails. We certainly do get around, like Webster's dictionary with Morocco. Oh, yeah, we come. The many fire sleep on nails and saw their wives in half, it
0: seems to me there should be easier ways to get a land. We're out on the road to Morocco, and somewhere I feel kind of
2: numb. For
1: any villains we may meet, we haven't any fear. Paramount will protect because 'cause we're signed for five more years. We certainly do get around like a complete set of Shakespeare that you buy for the car plus over a we're Ramrod, Or like a volume of Homer that you buy at the department like store at Christmas time for
0: your
2: cousin Julia.
1: We're, We're on, on the, the road to Baduka. Badouka
2: Baduga.
1: All right. Everybody, how cool is that, huh? The silver dragon. This is a phenomena that occurs and it's caused by the moon, the full moon, huh? And as it said, this phenomenon has been observed 3000 years ago. Now, you remember how we were talking about how all the ancient civilizations back during that time period how they all keyed off of the moon after looking at that is there any wonder why and we're talking about tsunamis and whatnot i mean the moon has a serious serious effect on earth we know about low and high tides i had never heard of the silver dragon before but did. Those waves, huh? weren't They were kind of different, weren't they, than what you would normally uh, expect. So, again, for survival, ancient civilizations got very adept at being very, very familiar with the moon, its movements. Now, towards the end of the show. I have what I consider to be a a monumental announcement to make on a theory that I have come up with concerning how the spheres were used as a lunar calendar and also to predict lunar eclipses, okay? And uh, I'm taking this opportunity to live a fantasy, hey, Maybe this is like Einstein when he came up with E is equal to MC squared, right? (laughs) Humor me, please, as y'all been, as you humored me all season one. And I hope you continue to humor me now because I'm obviously, uh, I'm enjoying myself with this podcast and this simultaneous uh, live stream close as I can get to a TV show. And that's what I've been calling it. Again, just enjoying the ride, right? It's so much fun. Okay, so now before I make my monumental announcement, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna test out screen share because this theory that I've come up with, I would call it an aha moment. Okay, so let me let's try out the screen share. Okay, so all right, everybody, um, before we get to what I believe is my aha moment. Um, last season, remember we looked at the, uh, oh, by the way, this is the most recent sphere that has been discovered in uh, Fanka Six, in the Baduca territory. Beautiful, huh? I've shown this before. This is from May of this year. So as you'll see, there hadn't been any discovered in quite a while, since this newest discovery. Excuse me, how cool is it? And you think how many more could there be out there? I mean, we know there's gotta be more, there's more out there, right? (laughs) Wow, unreal. All this ties into my theory coming up later. Okay, all right, so now, um, uh, last season we read from the authoritative documentation on the spheres done by the head archeologist at the National Museum of Costa Rica. This is the go-to research that any research groups that are trying to at least even get a start on uh, looking at the spheres, they're gonna start with this document. So uh, it's in Spanish. Mariela Bonilla was so nice last season to have interpreted it for us, translated it for us, and what i want to do is i want to go back and 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 reread what she what she uh, what she said what she uh, translated and the reason for this is because now that tears and i went down there to the dekeys delta and we were there in the energy and the nature and the surroundings some of the things that are said in this research paper they they have more of a meaning now we know firsthand what they were talking about we really do and by the way if there's any archaeological site or or just anything in the world that you want to see tour guide descriptions are great they're awesome but you need to go and see for yourself okay only you can interpret for yourself what you see the sounds of nature that you hear I mean, you have awesome tourist descriptions that are written, but if you can, go there. Nothing beats a firsthand experience. Okay, so now um, what I wanna do is I'm gonna read from the number one authority paper on the spheres and what's known in uh, the science community about the spheres and not a lot as we found out uh, last season not a lot when you think about all the other archaeological mysteries in the world surprisingly rare the amount that has been written about the spheres okay so i'm gonna do my screen share bear with me please okay all right here we go all right so this is the National Museum of Costa Rica, Department of Anthropology and History. And uh, I think everybody can see the screen. So this is from July of 2007, okay? Hey, that's 14 years ago, right? That's a long, and and look at where it says, uh, by the way, FANCA means farm. So right here, farm six, this was in 2005. Hey, 16 years ago, right? And to my knowledge, nothing has been done since. I mean, in terms of serious uh, research. Okay, so let's get going. All right, now, what I want to do is I want to go to in this document where they talk about the area. Because, again, now that I've seen it for myself, okay, here we go. So this is the Diki Delta, all right? And there's four, there's four main sites. We were our Airbnb accommodations were there right there in Sur. I hope you can see my cursor. Uh Ray, let me know if not. Okay. So again, the area where the spheres have been found thus far is 10 hectares. Now that amounts to one tenth of a kilometer. Let's do a little uh, a, a mind experiment. Okay, let's just say one kilometer is 10 city blocks. <clears throat> Excuse me. 10 city blocks, like 10 New York City blocks, <laughs> right? Um, okay, so, one, so, okay. So, a square kilometer then, would be 100 blocks, right? If if we're saying that uh, one kilometer is 10 city blocks, okay, then a square kilometer is gonna be 10 blocks times 10 blocks, 100 blocks. So we have a square kilometer is 100 city blocks. So a hectare or 10 hectares is a 10th of a square kilometer. So out of those 100 blocks, we're looking at 10 blocks in which the spheres have been found, all right? Now let's zoom out. Costa Rica is uh, 51,100 square kilometers, I think. Look at the minuscule percentage. Those 10 city blocks are within all of Costa Rica. And then let's zoom out even further i feel like i'm doing at the end of men in black right when that's such a cool where they they had the the aliens playing marbles where they zoomed out anyway so we zoom out from that to the globe so do you get an idea of the minuscule area that the spheres have been found thus far within all of planet earth and that continues to intrigue me it really does. All right, so let's, let's continue. Okay, so the next thing was when we got to page, oh, this figure right here, figure three, take a good look at it. It's gonna be referred to again in what I'm gonna be reading from. This is from 1955. Oh, by the way, let me just, uh, let me go back up to another picture. Okay, you see this sphere right here? Look at the machinery they were using just to get these beautiful artifacts out of the way. I mean, I've seen spheres with the chain markings across them, right? Just brutal, but well, okay. All right, so let's move on. Okay, all right, all right, so. Okay, so again, remember this picture, 1955, okay? All right, figure three, all right, so now we're gonna we're going to get down here to page 25 because in this document, this is the first mention of any kind of an uh, astronomical uh, connection that the spheres uh, might have. Okay, here we go. Now I'm going to go over here to my Word document. I became quite adept at doing this split screen stuff. Oh, let me read. Let me read the description of the. The Farm Six site, okay, that uh, from the picture earlier, okay, and let me put the picture back up here, okay. So, okay, there we there's another view of it, okay. All right, <clears throat> the Fanka Six site, Farm Six site, is located in the alluvial plain near an estuary subject to intertidal action the area has been used intensively for banana plantations that's how the spheres were discovered the national museum has a property of 10 hectares there's the 10 hectares and it is expected to develop an archaeological park in that place the site presents two alignments of spheres oriented east-west several artificial mounds Buried cobblestones and deposits of materials. It is located on the Changdiana sheet, and it gives the latitude and the longitude, which you'll see later. I actually used in the Stellarium program. Punched it in. Okay. So now I want to go down to the page uh, where they first start talking about um, any kind of astrolog- any kind of astronomical connection that the spheres may have. And and remember again, <clears throat> this is the uh, go-to document. This is the authority uh, on the spheres. Okay, let me find it, okay, here we go. So now I will read this, okay. Observation of celestial phenomena. Remember everybody, this is 2007, Okay, 14 years ago, observation of celestial phenomena. The objective is the observation of the relationship of the alignment of the spheres located in Fanka six, Farm six, with sunrise during equinoxes and solstices. The purpose is to explore some relationship of this alignment oriented from east to west with those phenomena based on a basic schedule related to the agricultural cycle and seasonal change. Okay, so now now we're going to go down to page 88, which is the part of the document where they specifically talk about what is known so far astronomically in the scientific community. Okay, this is is all the archaeologists that are considered the – um, the authorities. Okay. So, okay, here we go. All right. And I'm going to, I'm not going to read too fast, but let's, let's just get through this. I'm going to take a swig of water. Okay. Here we go. A very close astronomical meaning of the spheres. The grouping of the spheres could represent the constellations or they could be a sign of the sunrise or sunset during equinoxes or solstices. Those associations would be based on agricultural cycles and would constitute rudimentary calendars that together with the other phenomena of nature would indicate propitious moment, uh, basically a real good time, for agricultural tasks, as well as social and religious activities. The alteration of the original site or even worse, the total or partial removal of sets of spheres called astronomical gardens have prevented further progress in this purpose. However, the option remains open, more so if one considers the well-documented uses that the ancient societies of the time used of the sun and the stars and the use of that knowledge for calendars, as well as myths and legends. Likewise, the observation of celestial phenomena still carried out by current indigenous groups, such as the BriBri, wonder why the Baruka aren't mentioned. Anyway, for whom an ideological closeness with the former occupants of the Delta is postulated. Okay it provides direct support therefore it was conceived as one of the objectives of the project to explore possible associations of the groups of spheres with celestial phenomena the recording of two alignments of spheres in situ in situ remember some say tomato some say tomato (laughs) at farm six oriented from east to west i everybody i think those are the stars of the show right those two spheres that are oriented east and west and you saw the pictures that tears and i took by those and there's a rope in front of them so you can't go in and touch them but my goodness that that that's those two i guess they've never been removed from the ground huh they've just been left like that wow so cool okay the observations have been carried out for three years in a very restricted way. So the results are very brief, but they point to a huge potential for research. Here are some results. I'm gonna go this, through this kind of quick, okay? Just to give you an idea. Computer simulations using, so there's this program called Starry Night Enthusiast 4.5, not familiar with it i used the larium, but hey they they use this in their research uh, some simulations were performed by introducing the variable space and construction of time around 800 uh i say um uh ad ace we don't say ad or bc on this show instead of bc we we say bce before common Era, and instead of saying ad we say ace after common Era. Pretty much the same thing, but a little bit more scientific based on more of a scientific reference frame. Okay. The relationship with the sun in particular, constellations were explored in search of possible relationships. So they're thinking that there's a correspondence between the spheres and the sun or some constellation. Okay. GPS measurements. Using the global positioning system different groups of readings were taken at different sites with the spheres all right this was an extensive research project everybody this is the authority on it okay observations and photographic recording observations and photo shoots have been conducted especially at farm six at sunrise and sunset on the dates of equinoxes and solstices to record the relationship of the alignments with the horizon. On-site measurements. The orientation of alignments and the height of the horizon have been measured to look for possible relationships between alignments. Topographical features and sunrise or specific constellations, primary results. Field observations in this case usually take a lot of time. These have been mainly limited to farm six and especially to the spring equinox in March 21st. Remember, this was written in 2007, so the spring equinox, excuse me, was on March 21st. However, the results are very poor because of the space and brief observations conducted. Due to logistical problems for some years, it has only been possible one or two days but so much research is required to generate some conclusions here's what i'm talking about everybody now that tears and i went down there i know exactly what they're talking about when they talk about a limitation in what you're able to do because of the weather i mean it's a serious rainy season okay solstices and equinoxes the sun appears at different points on the horizon during the year the solstice marks extreme points of its trajectory moving from northeast in the summer solstice to southeast in the winter solstice. During the spring equinox, it will be closer to the east with a short variation to the north in contrast to a small devi- deviation to the south during the autumnal equinox. Computer simulations, I mean, they did it all, everybody. The alignments of the spheres at farm six are oriented approximately from east to west with a slight variation to the north, 82.5 degrees and 85 degrees 89 minutes respectively. Using the program Starry Night Enthusiasts, several simulations were produced on different dates from 700 to 1500 after common error. For sunrise during solstice and equinoxes in part, the results of the conducted simulation pointed to the equinoxes Rather than the solstices with the spring equinox being when the sun would have come out in an orientation like that or realignments without this being exact. Okay, figure five. So now I'm going to go down to figure five. Okay, there's figure five. Okay, this is what they're talking about. Okay, computer simulation using the Starry Night Enthusiast Program. Okay, a simulation, equinox, spring equinox. At farm six, with those with the the two spheres. Okay. A simulation was also made with the alignment of seven spheres recorded by this is figure three. Remember when I said, Remember figure three? Okay. In farm six, see, there's four major archaeological sites. Farm five is another one, is one of those. The alignment is oriented at 100 degrees and could be related to the autumnal equinox when the sun appears at approximately 92 degrees or to a topographical accident on the horizon, not yet documented in the mountains of Osa. That was kind of mysterious, right? That little ditty, the un- not yet documented. Okay, field observations. During the year 2004, this is 17 years ago, there were observations in Farm Six. It was only in March that the sunrise could be clearly observed. I can totally relate to this rainy season. I mean, you're not even hardly gonna get a sunset because it's usually raining full force by 3 p.m. or so in the afternoon. You usually can catch a sunrise, but then again, sometimes you can't. Okay, it was only in March that the sunrise could be clearly observed. And again, we saw, we went, we saw, we experienced. We were in the Decay Delta. Oh, it was so awesome. In June, September, and December, there were showers in the previous days, and usually the mornings were dark and cloudy. See, didn't I just say that? In addition, it was frequent that along the Serpe River, the Serpe River, remember my buddy had the coconut stand? Serpe was on the sign, okay? And that's the name of the town at the end at, where the Serpe uh, River opens out. Um, into the ocean, uh, which runs between the alignments and the horizon, a bank of low altitude clouds rose that covered the horizon. See the river pulled in all that condensation. Very hard to get a a sunrise or a sunset. And by the way, before I forget, let me mention, we found out, Tears and I found out that at farm six, no internet connection, everybody zero in the museum there was uh there was some wi-fi very limited but out at the actual archaeological site archaeological site nothing honey (laughs) zero right so we wouldn't have been able to to do a live broadcast from those two the stars of the show the two and i don't want to take anything away from the other spheres or the other artifacts okay but Hey, those two aligned spheres to the sunrise equinox in the spring, pretty powerful, right? So, uh, but we wouldn't have been able to do a live broadcast from there anyway. And so we were very lucky that we did our broadcast on uh fall equinox sunrise from the park of the spheres in Palmer, Sur, that had wireless free wireless in the park. Hey, we, we really lucked out on that one. So all the filmage that you'll ever see of sunrise at those two spheres, they're not done live. So we would have been able to do it live. I guess we would have been the first in history to do so. Okay, let's continue. All right. All right, so, uh, okay, we stopped at figure 35. Okay, so now, uh, all right uh okay in addition it was frequent that along the SERPY river which runs between the alignments and the horizon a bank of low altitude clouds rose that covered the horizon okay sorry about that repetition in any case in this month the sunrise came out as recorded in the simulation so they were ruled out as possible associations we suggest that the spring equinox would be the most likely date of some correlation since it is the period of the year of greatest luminosity because it is the dry season in the year 2005 16 years ago there were cloudiness conditions in 2006 and 2007 so yeah we're looking at almost 20 years ago everybody the sun came out with that deviation between 5 and 7 degrees as seen in the simulation Figure 36. So let's go down to figure 36, okay? So you can see what we're, okay, see? There's the stars of the show, okay? The two spheres that are aligned east and west, okay? And this is the spring equinox, sunrise, 2004, 2005, 2006. This is where we wanted to film live from uh, two weeks ago. All right. Field, op- uh, let's see, okay, okay. Uh, so they were ruled out as possible associations. Okay, okay, sorry about that, okay, here we go. All right, the observations have not been as consistent as they should be. Some limitations have been for reasons of logistics and distance has not been able to remain in the area during the days before and after the equinox to document the movement of the sun also in some years it has not been possible to be the exact date of the equinox and the observation has been restricted to a single date weather has a weather has a lot to do with making these observations and we experienced it everybody i mean we experienced it firsthand the alignments will coincide will coincide with the sun rise at some time of the year which will be important to document and see other possible connections. This appearance may be related to to some specific point on the horizon, which has not been recorded yet. A lot of observations that have not been able to do. Okay, they go on to talk about constellations where there could be a possible connection with constellations. Uh, everybody, again, you can you can pull this up, but there's some there's some things I want to get to. Uh, so you can see, uh, and 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 what I want to do, I'm going to close this. I want to open this up. Now, here's the photographs that were taken in 2004, 2005, 2006. All right. Now I want to bring up the pictures. This is the first picture. Thank you, Ray, for letting me know. Everything is cool running, man. (laughs) That's one of those Jamaican, I think one of the Jamaican uh, cool running, man. Okay, Okay, here's a picture of me in tears with the the two stars of the show, right? Oriented east and west. So here's a current photograph, all right? Okay, and just to bring up a couple more. uh, So again, remember, this research document that I just read from, hey, it's from almost 20 years ago, but you can see the difference in the scenery right now as compared to uh, 2004, 2005, 2006. Okay. And then there's one more I want to show. Okay. Okay. All right. So. All right, there we go. So I wanted to show those. All right. Okay, now what I want to do is I'm gonna bring up Stellarium. And I've punched in. Oh, by the way, before I forget, we have been invited to the inauguration of the Baduca Indigenous Community Museum in the Baduca Village. It's been closed for a while, but the director has invited our group, and it and I don't know if you remember, but our our trip our expedition was put on hold because of uh of of uh covid and and so and that's when tears and i went ahead and did our road trip but look at these beautiful pictures that were sent to me by the director of the of the indigenous museum look at this look at that look at the perfection everybody i mean you just look in awe you really do i don't know if this is the same sphere that was recently discovered in may that i showed a picture of before but look at that i mean seriously and we're talking 700 after common era right or even before maybe before common era we might be talking about bce right unbelievable and only in those 10 hectares, everybody. One-tenth of a square kilometer of the whole planet Earth. Okay, all right, now I'm gonna, okay, I wanna show you something else. So again, the museum, I I guess they have went through a a total refurbishment. So look at that, see the sphere there? Kinda peeking at us out the door (laughs) and saying, come on in and look at me and be in wonderment and amazement and try to figure out my mysteries beautiful look at that building beautiful structure okay we got one more all right let's see here okay look at that everybody isn't that beautiful i mean just so beautiful just made of Uh, of the native wood of the area and that's what we saw when we were down there structures made out of the natural trees of the area right i mean just beautiful 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 okay now i want to go to stellarium and this may be the first time i may actually admit to having to go over a little bit but okay so now let's remember that according to the Baducas, the spheres were used as a lunar calendar to predict lunar eclipses. All right, now, in the first, um, let me take a little swig of water. Okay, as you saw, the moon has quite an influence um, on the earth. So, uh it was very important for all the ancient civilizations to to be very efficient at following the movements of the moon okay and also now a lunar calendar keeps track of the phases of the moon and you saw in that video of the silver dragon how when a full moon rolled out oh the silver dragon appeared right full moon okay so not only was the movement of the moon important, but also the phases of the moon. So, what I've done, you see here where I've punched in Fanka 6. Okay, and if I go to my navigational pane, you can see where Fank Farm 6 is punched in, has that little red arrow that points, we're at the archaeological site. Okay, so let's do this. Let's point to the east. I fixed it, so we can trace the path of the moon okay let's let's do a little revisit. Excuse me now. The way to predict a lunar calendar remember that the two lunar nodes which are basically the points where the path of the sun across the sky and the path of the moon across the sky cross okay remember that all the planets except for Pluto, they all orbit. And I guess, yeah, Pluto is not a planet anymore, okay. We'll talk about that in a future episode, but all the planets orbit the sun in the elliptical plane, okay? Pluto orbits the sun at a 17-degree angle outside of the elliptical plane. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, now, as the Earth orbits the sun, the moon orbits the Earth at a 5-degree angle, so what that means is that the moon crosses the elliptical plane twice in an orbit, on the way around and on the way back, okay? All right, and these two points are called lunar nodes. They simply mean that there are two points in this where the earth, I'm sorry, the path of the sun across the sky which is basically the elliptical plane and the moon across the sky where they cross. All right. Now, so if you know the two points where the paths of the sun and the moon cross, all right, now what is a lunar eclipse? A lunar eclipse is when the earth passes between the moon and the sun, right? Okay. So if you know that the sun is going to be close to one of those lunar nodes in other words the sun is going to be close to where the moon is going to cross its path and if that time happens to be where the earth is going to be between the two you got a very good possibility that you're going to have a lunar eclipse you know full moon what does a full moon mean full moon means that the earth is between the sun and the moon now on the Other side of the coin, or flip side of the planet, (laughs) Uh, a solar eclipse is when the moon crosses between the Earth and the sun. So again, if you know if the sun is gonna be close to one of those two lunar nodes at a point where you're gonna have a new moon approaching, and what is a new moon? A new moon is when the moon is gonna cross between the sun and the Earth. You got a very strong possibility that you're going to have a solar eclipse so back to our, our 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 lunar calendar and being able to predict a lunar eclipse so if you know to very high degree accuracy the path that the moon takes across the sky and you know the phases of the moon when is there going to be a full moon when is there going to be a half moon a new moon and you know the path of the sun you got a very good idea of being able being able to, to predict a lunar eclipse. So <clears throat> let me just roll this real quick. Um, so rat farm six, we're looking east. I got the path of the moon uh traced out. So I just and, and you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna put this, okay. Uh the spring equinox is March the 20th. So what we're gonna do. We're going to go down, we're going to go down here and we're going to go up to date and time. So we're going to set this at uh We're going to set this at March. Okay? Uh Okay, here we go. March. Oh, you know what? Uh let me uh, Hmm, let me go back and do that. Sorry about that, everybody. Okay, so we're going to do... Okay, I don't know. Okay, okay, here we go. Use the arrows, Leroy. Okay, March 20th. Okay, let's use the right arrows. (laughs) Okay, March 20th. And let's just go one day back, March 19th, just so we catch it so basically now we're gonna say that we are on and if you look if you look let me hide this so now we are on March 19th uh, we need to be we need to be the next year right 2022 okay so uh, 2022 okay so now there we go all right. Ray, I apologize for going over a little bit, but this is just so cool. I want want everybody to check this out. Okay, so now down here, you can see that we are set. We are on March 19th, 2022 for the spring equinox. So let's just watch the planets roll, okay? I'm gonna speed this up a little bit. So we're gonna watch, again, we're at farm six. We're looking east. So this would be the equivalent of watching sunrise At the archaeological site um, at uh, Finka Six, come March the nineteenth, spring equinox. Okay, so all right, it's getting dark. Okay, all right, okay. So we got see we got sunset. Okay, the night before. See, I knew what. Okay, the moon is coming up. All right. Okay, pretty cool, huh? And, and let me say that because now we know that we can't broadcast live from Farm Six, there's really no reason uh, to go back for, I mean, now the energy is cool, and maybe we will go back just to be in the energy, but in terms of wanting to try to film Sunrise, no, we're not gonna try to do that because there's no internet and and hey, we were there. Okay, here comes the, here comes the sun, all right? So there's a the sun coming up. See the closest of the path between the sun and the moon. So again, uh, if you keep track of the path of the moon, and you can keep track, it's not like you can look at the sun all day like you can the moon, right? See, now we're on March 20th. So this is equinox, uh, 2022 spring equinox at the Farm Six, uh archaeological site okay let's just let it keep rolling Ray I'm going to owe you for this but let's just keep it rolling but this is all a lead up everybody to my grand announcement my aha moment my theory maybe it'll be called the Roy Larry's Theory oh and by the way podcast okay see there's the moon coming up okay all right and uh yeah, look in east and w- those two spheres that are oriented east and west. And I got to tell you, when that research paper talked about the weather and how hard it was to get observations, oh, and if you watched last episode, you saw the jungle-like treads through to get to the beach. I mean, serious terrain, serious jungle, but and you can understand why there's no internet. Okay. So, okay, we're going to stop it there. I just wanted to show that. I wanted to demonstrate how easy it would be for uh, an ancient civilization to um, to keep track of uh, okay, to keep track of the movements of the moon with respect to the sun, okay, and to know the two lunar nodes, right? to know when the paths of those two heavenly bodies crossed. And back in the uh, Middle Ages, Renaissance, they had an astronomer called Tycho Brahe, who night after night sat and just noted the movements of, of the planets that he could observe, right? I mean, voluminous books that just filled a room, night after night, Noting where Jupiter was, where the moon was, where Mars was, right? Now, his student, Kepler, was able to go through all that data and find a pattern. He found a pattern in all those voluminous books of data. He found a pattern. And what resulted? Kepler's three laws of planetary motion that as far as we can tell, every planet in its motion around the sun obeys these mathematical equations. Remember what I said, mathematical equations are our window into our amazing world of nature. There's a prime example right there. Okay, so with the ancient civilizations following the motion of the moon and the sun, they came up, with a, they found a pattern. Okay, they found a pattern in all those observations that enabled them to figure out that, yeah, when the sun is close to the point in the sky where its path crosses with the moon, and when there's going to be a full moon around that time, there's a good chance there's going to be a lunar eclipse. And if there's a new moon around that time, there's a good chance there's gonna be a solar eclipse. Okay, everybody, now I'm gonna get to my grand announcement. Ray, I don't know if you're able to, excuse the pun, drum up (laughs) a fake drum roll, but okay, here we go. I'm gonna take a swig of water. Well, now that will work. And uh, podcast listeners, Again, if you just type in, go to Google and type in LeroyLarry.com, L-E-R-O-Y, L-A-R-R-Y.com, it brings up everything you would want to know or not want to know about natural physics, okay, and me and all that, okay? And you can look at all the recorded episodes, all of it, right? Okay, now, the spheres have been theorized to have been used by the Baduka as a lunar calendar and are able to predict lunar eclipses. And a lunar calendar keeps track of the phases of the moon. Now, we know that it's very important to be able to keep track of the path of the moon across the sky, ergo the positions that the spheres were in originally we'll never know now will we because so many of them have been removed but let's just say that their positions definitely correlated to the movements of the moon and with respect to the sun they needed to know the path in the sky the two lunar nodes where the two would cross right in order to predict a, a lunar eclipse now How would you represent the phases of the moon with the spheres? Ray, can I have another of that, what that was, party horn or party booper? Whatever you call it. Everybody, this is my minute. This is, okay, you ready? I mean, this could be world-shaking, world-changing. How would you represent the phases of the moon with a sphere, okay? Now, obviously, a whole sphere, yeah, that could represent the full moon. Maybe if you use some kind of darks, I don't believe the Baruka would have painted their their objects, so I'm not gonna say if you painted it black, but let's say they found a a, bo, a, a rock black and you carved it, okay, that could be a new moon, right? But let me ask you this, how would you represent a half moon? You're gonna carve a half a sphere and even more hard, a crescent. How are you gonna carve a crescent? Now, be it that we, we, we theorize that, 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 that there was a plant or is a plant that exists where can soften stone, but even then, how are you gonna represent the phases of the moon using a sphere? Here we go, everybody. Leroy Larry's theory of how the spheres were used to represent the phases of the moon? Oh, I like that. That was Twilight zone right on. Their size, everybody. What if the sizes of the different spheres represented the percentage of the moon that was not yet to be a full moon? I mean, what I'm saying is what if you had the smaller spheres that represented uh, a long time from when a full moon is gonna occur. And as the spheres got bigger and bigger and bigger, they represented how closer you were getting to, to the full moon, which is what you need to know in order to predict a lunar eclipse, right? Okay, on that note, okay, I have presented my theory, Leroy Larry's theory I submit that the positions of the spheres kept track of the position, the movement of the moon as it crossed the sky and the movement of the sun, maybe even the movement of the earth. Hey, don't rule out that that they didn't know that the earth rotated around the sun and that everything did not rotate around the earth, okay? So I submit that the positions were a way of keeping track of the motions of the moon and the sun. And I propose that the sizes of the spheres represented the phases of the moon in order to know when a full moon was gonna happen in order to predict a lunar eclipse. Okay, (laughs) on that note, yes, all right. Thank you very much. So I will leave you with that. Tune in next week, same fat time, same fat channel.